Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Genesis of Startups, where we interview brilliant minds in entrepreneurship to explore what it's really like to start a business. Our guest today is Natalie Raffey. She's the co-founder of SplashUp, a product discovery platform, previously a growth manager at Madpools that IPO'd earlier this year and currently advises startups at the University of New South Wales. She is a lover of all things startup and tech and currently on a journey to make e-commerce easier for everyone. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you for having me, William. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you very much for having me. Um, very pumped to talk to you today and uh, tell you more about where currently who I am and what I've, the journey that I've been on. So in terms of like where I like where I've started, I've really always been into finding ways to do problem solving and 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 really looking at how to do things better. And so I found out that this space is called fitting a space called startups. So I've really been naturally drawn to the startup space ever since I was at uni. Actually, when I studied at the University of Sydney, I was doing commerce, and so found this space where you can think of something and then go and build it and, and, and bring it to life. And so over the years, my background really grew into growth and operations and go to market. Initially, I started off doing my own SME consultancy. So that really started after I started my first app that absolutely flopped. And that's a st- like <laughs> an app that was at Usage as well. But it taught me so much. I had an idea and I just went out there and I did it and and it looked kind of cool, but like no one really wanted to use it. And it was a massive learning curve for me because that really forced me to start my own kind of like, you know, understanding on how to build things, but also launch my own consultancy, then moving into IT briefly, then back into startups because like felt I've always been motivated by solving problems and building things. So during the startup where I kicked off and grew a business there, as well as my own e-commerce store before joining UNSW start, uh, entrepreneurship team to help teach and create more startup kids because, you know, you can never have enough. And currently on a journey to, you know, when you're when you're facing talking to startup people every day, there's only that urge and hunger that grows daily. So I took the, the leap of, of, of embarking on that journey again. That's amazing. It sounds like a very classic serial entrepreneurship sort of pathway. You dabbled in entrepreneurship at university, you decided to create your own thing, it flops, you learned the heaps from it, and then now you're going to do it all over again. Exactly. Hopefully with like a better like start. Tell us more about SplashUp. So SplashUp basically is really solving that problem of product discovery online. So the moment when people shop, there's a lot of mental effort that goes in comparing things, finding things. You want maybe more of that, less of that, cheaper you wish something was, you know, similar, but less of, you know, different cut or different color. What we're doing is we're providing retailers with this ability to find the right customer at the right time and giving users this ability to find the product that they want without having to go and and filter and scroll and, and, and search again. And so we just really want to take the mess out of the messiness that exists in that experience of shopping online. Interesting. Now, how does it work? Is it like AI driven or... Exactly. Yes. So I like to usually avoid saying AI because I feel it really brings this negative kind of a buzzy word, but it absolutely uses um, AI uh, to to really power these recommendations and provides and provides this intuitive way of discovery. So we're really looking at e-commerce. If you think of e-commerce, it hasn't really evolved much in terms of the, the, the when it was stuck, kicked off like in the in the late 90s I mean sorry not late 90s but kind of started taking off then but hasn't really evolved beyond filtering menus and so on and so we're trying to really I wouldn't say reinvent the wheel just you know maybe maybe look at it from a different lens and, and try to provide 
a, a novelty in terms of how we shop, replicating an in-store experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I can imagine it takes away a lot of the you know paradox of choice, especially when there are so many products out there. I know for me, when I shop online with e-commerce, just sometimes the multitude of things out there, the choices just makes it incredibly daunting to think which one will be right for me, you know? Exactly, exactly. So this, we, we were going to put an end to that, I promise. <laughs> Look forward to it. So Natalie, your two biggest recommendations for entrepreneurs is number one, to ensure that you allocate time on research and validation. And number two is to not be married to your idea. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us what this means for you? I think what this means is is two things. The, the thing with, with entrepreneurship is that there's a lot of risk-taking, but with risk-taking, there's also adaptability. And at the same time, there's risk mitigation. And when you're taking a massive risk in embarking on a journey to start something and, and, and bring an idea to life, when you when you really allocate some time in de-risking one of the core foundations of what the next X time of dedicated of your life will be worked on, you're really mitigating a massive risk while still playing in a very risky game, but you're you're mitigating that significantly. Being married to an idea is another thing because what you know at first is not what you will know later. And it could be that you, your idea doesn't change, but it's just about having the mindset of not being married to it and being adaptable to the insight and the opportunities that come along your way and morphing into them as you go. Kind of like Pac-Man, if you think about it. And I've recently had a, a startup that came into, like a lot of people kind of come to me with with this this new idea that will change the world. And fast forward a few days after some research, they realize it's totally not what they want to do anymore. Hmm. So with that first point, mm-hmm. it's it's about risk mitigation and adaptability, as you mentioned. The way that this comes to my mind is that there are two schools of thought, you know, where you can just do it and the careful planning sort of side. And it seems quite a, like a blurry line. And how do you how do you distinguish between if you're doing too much of one and not enough of the other? That's an awesome question. So it is a fine line for sure. Uh, I suffer from that, especially because I very much of a, I, I'm not, a, I've always been hateful for planning. Like I just wing it. I tried calendars and all of that. It's just really a bad habit that I'm trying to work on. But it is a fine line to, to, to really work on, especially when, when all the news around you is act fast but then you also have that fail to plan is plan to fail. So I can mm. see how this message gets lost with with everyone. Now, it really might sound cheesy, but it's a balance. But the difference is I'll tell you how in practical matters. So the balance isn't finding that planning and doing. Early days, you need more doing. And later, you'll do more planning. But to take an example of business plans, early days or startup plans, like no one really wants you to have endless planning of, you know, developing a really well thought out plan A to Z with all these crazy numbers, because a lot of these things won't matter. So, so it's really about just evaluating, like there's a certain amount of like good amount of improvisation when it comes to startup life. But it's really a common myth to say that winging it is, is the way to be successful. So what I would just finally say is, is it's really being more comfortable with acting on limited information. So it's risk, but it's calculated risk. And, and you'll do this often. You'll, you'll fluctuate between planning and doing a lot of times. Recently, we have been implementing more OKRs across the business. So this has been our way to move away from, you know, simply winging it and more about having some foundations that will give us some direction, which uncovered a lot of inconsistencies that I'm really grateful for. But if we didn't plan anything, we would have been really lost. Hmm, Interesting. So am I hearing you correctly when you say that um, 
because I love the distinction that you make between finding and doing in later stages is planning, is that as your startup starts to get a little bit more, more mature, you, you start to shift from just finding anything that seems productive for the startup and later on more of that meticulous planning. Is that what I'm hearing you say? So it's, it's really about like you, you, the balance of planning and winging in a way comes from the start. It's just that as you start growing, you would need to have more of a forward-thinking um, approach that is more structured because you have a growing team, you have a growing direction, and, and you need to have this taking more of a, I wouldn't say the backseat, but more of like proactive measures in providing more structure. But having any sort of planning is very important from get-go because whether it's like having, like your startups already do it. Like in your uncover this planning when, let's say you listen to a pitch deck and the narrative should kind of make sense from A to Z. But when you look at it, you've got the problem and the solution and the market size and the com- competition and our go-to market. All of that requires research and all of that to sing a good song needs to actually have some well thought out um, plan. Now, it doesn't have to be 50 pages, but it's really about the logic and, and really mitigating what you can see ahead while also having a bit of a optimistic pathway in the long run and, and being adaptable as you go. That's, that's the message. Hmm, absolutely. Um, regarding the second point, which is to not to be married to your idea. I mean, on paper, it sounds incredibly Mm-hmm. valuable obviously you want to be adaptable you want to make sure that what you're creating at the beginning you, you don't get too attached to it because things change in the world and your startup obviously has to adapt to that change but how in practice do you get over that emotional aspect of of not being married to your idea especially because it's your brainchild if you know what i mean that's a, that's a fantastic way of, of putting it because yeah it is your baby and if anyone criticizes your baby or says i want a baby you know with these personality traits or these characteristics you're suddenly very protective like the way you know what, what i'm doing is is better so it depends on who you're talking to obviously you're going to face you have to be protective of that idea or that vision that you have so if you're talking to someone and they may not get it it really is you know if, if you firmly believe in something then then great the way that this whole married to idea kind of comes a lot comes up is when when you have something in mind it could be it could be that you just need to go out there and talk to the people that you think this idea would you know, help address the pain point for. And it could be other two things. You uncover a new insight that would update your thinking, or you just try to find other people that would resonate with what you're talking about. And it's a bit of like, you know, back and forth fluctuation until you find your sweet spot. And and that's where the whole marriage comes into play. Because when you're not attached to it, you're able to look at it from objective lens, but at the same time, you're able to look at it from a, you know, there's a lot of cool ideas out there, but there's so many vitamins and and not painkillers but at the same time you want to think about it as a business um will this really give any money will this really be a business one day will this be sustainable will this really you know and so there are some serious questions that we need to be you know an idea at the end of the day you're, you're building a business so you have to be adaptable that's just my my philosophy to things I love what you mentioned about having an objective lens and addressing pain points because at the end of the day, what you're creating has to solve some sort of practical problem. Even if you're um, attached to the business, as you mentioned, it is a business at the end of the day. Do you have any examples of where these two have helped you in your own startup journeys? 
Absolutely. So to give you a bit of a background, initially speaking, Vivek and I, my co-founder, so he was at the Iconic, I was a retailer and also worked in digital marketing and all of that. So we're having this conversation on how can we help small businesses um, get better exposure. And so our initial validation was building something for small business owners to have better discoverability. So we started talking to people and we uncovered that there's a problem of, you know, not able to find them and not able to trust them. But at the same time, we uncovered that it's not just for small businesses, it's for everywhere on e-commerce. And we realized that there was an even bigger opportunity that we can tackle and to really take away our thinking from being very married to the idea of helping small businesses and looking at it more from a play of there's a bigger question here at play and we can update our thinking still help small businesses, but look at it from a practical way of like, what does that mean that they can't find? And so slowly, we're organically by having some back and forth, we realize that it's it's a, it's a beautiful problem that we fell on. And we just need to, we were just even more encouraged to update our thinking then and to start looking at it from a product discovery rather than a small business product discovery. So I can tell you a little bit also about another idea. So initially with product discovery, all our insight was that they go on different websites and then they do this and they do that. We introduced a new concept of tailoring recommendations. So if you get an item, you'd be able to say exactly what you want different about it. Like, I want this item, but without the belt. I want this item, but less freely. When we introduced this idea or like this concept to people, suddenly their shifting changed completely. They were like, oh, wow, I, I didn't really think of it this way. I really like that. And so had we not taken into account what they said and, and innovated on that, it would have been hard to adapt accordingly and to innovate. Hmm, I see. What are some of the challenges that you have overcome throughout your startup journey? And what would you do differently for next time? Uh, this is a great question. I would say some of the early challenges have been in managing runways. So we've we've bootstrapped for quite a long time. And one of the key things that we found as being a bit difficult is in bringing a product to life while also managing managing the limited runway that we have and realizing that we need sometimes some, you know, you need some cash to actually be able to grow something to a next level. And so the way I would do things, I would say that I would have better planning around when to raise and to, and to really plan ahead for that rather than leave myself a little bit cornered with, with the timings for that. The second thing is, I would say that shipping products fast would be would be a very good thing because we, it took us a while. And it took us a while when we when we were looking at what we wanted to build, this constant back and forth of, of what we wanted and what the market wanted place us in a little bit of a slug. And so I would say just shipping something in the market and reiterating on it would be your best bet rather than waiting and and and, and have spending more time. And um, that's why it's a fine balance of planning and doing. We ended up falling a little bit extra into research and and that's something I would do maybe less of and, and go to market quickly. Hmm. That's a helpful helpful example to provide the flesh into you know the sort of idea of adaptability and planning, but also just doing it. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today on the Genesis of Startups, Natalie. It's my absolute pleasure, William. Thank you. Where can the guests go to learn and connect with you? So absolutely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm not a big social media uh, user at the moment, but when I do, then I'll make sure to let my LinkedIn page know, I guess. But <laughs> you're your best bet. 
Amazing. Well, to our audience, I hope that you found what we talked today about not being married to your idea and ensuring adequate research and validation while also making sure to deploy quickly to get iterations incredibly valuable. If you'd like to learn more about Natalie, do check her out on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the genesis of startups, feel free to drop us a line on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Until next time.